That's a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we hope to get a little bit more from that this week here. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're so glad to have everyone here this evening. While you're turning there, we need the men to help us again. It's that time of the after Sunday night. We need to help our men help us to stack up the chairs, seven chairs per stack. We have our kids camp that starts tomorrow. We're excited about that. Still a lot of work to be done, a lot of preparation. But, man, if you'll help stay behind, help us stack the chairs, that will be a blessing. Brother Daniel could use some help. Those of you who have availability tonight or if you have um, maybe tomorrow morning, we could use your help with a number of things. Please pray for tomorrow that God will give us just a wonderful, wonderful first start turnout. And for both young people and parents that will come to know Christ as their Savior. Brother Mrs. Reigns, thank you for coming. Brother Caleb, thank you for coming. And all the teens and the parents who came with Falls Baptist Church, we're so glad to have you as our friends and to have you minister with us. And we know it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful week here. If you look around you, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please be kind enough to share your Bible with them. Help them find their place. I want to talk to you about what, what, what do we do this evening. I want to talk about what do we do when a construction program's done. And uh, there's always these words of instruction that we must follow. And I believe the book of Nehemiah gives us one of several things that we need to follow as we get ready for this new building. It is the work of God. And uh, I just trust this evening that you let God speak to your heart. Following this, after we get the chairs stacked up, we're going to ask the Sunday school teachers to meet with us for a few minutes this evening on some things we need to talk about, about getting ready for the building. And how many just excited about going to that building next week? Amen. It's going to be exciting. We've been going through it, and there's a lot of work involved, an incredible amount of volunteer hours in addition to what the general contractors have done. And we're very thankful for that. Thankful for people using their expertise and where God has blessed them to help uh, uh, move this along. And we're just very, very thankful for that tonight. Verse 10. Afterwards, I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehatabil, who was shut up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple. He's talking to Nehemiah, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. He's basically telling Nehemiah, you need to quit. Go hide yourself in the house of God and shut the doors and the enemies are going to come get you. And and they said, you know, basically just hide yourself here and you won't be threatened. But you notice his reply in verse 11. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And Lord, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired, that I should be afraid and do so in sin. And that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, he's praying now, my God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these their works and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have, would have put me in fear. Notice verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elul in 50 and 2 days. I call your attention tonight where he speaks about this being the work of God. This building is not here for decoration. The building is not here to waste God's time or waste God's people's money. The buildings that are here are for the work of God. God to be magnified and glorified. And this morning, this evening, we want to get our hearts ready tonight as we look at some instruction from God's Word of what we need to do. I'm kind of reminded tonight as we go to prayer about a little boy that prayed this prayer. He said, Dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and my cat and me. Oh, please, God, 
Please be sure you take care of yourself also, because if anything happens to you, we're sure going to be in a big mess. Amen. I believe tonight if we don't have God in it, we're in a big mess. Amen. It's a big mess. Everything that's here last 19 years is not is not us. It's God. It's God here. Saving of souls is of God. Changed lives is of God. Excellence in ministry. And I think what we heard tonight is excellence in ministry. That's of God. And this evening, we need the Lord in a greater way than ever before. Let's ask God to prepare our hearts for some great things ahead. Father, thank you for what our ears have heard and our eyes have seen tonight. And we're just asking in a very special way that, Lord, you'd meet with us, speak to our hearts, sanctify thy people through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We pray for the cleansing of the water by the word this evening. We pray for God's words to encourage us, enrich us, to instruct us, to help us, to bolster us, to feed us. I pray, Father, as our chief shepherd, Lord, this evening, and the great shepherd of our soul, and the chief bishop of our soul, feed our souls this evening. Dig deep in our hearts. Do something for us that's beyond us this evening. I pray you stir our imagination, our thoughts. And, Lord, help us even tonight, because knowing our sinful nature, it's our tendency, Lord, to rebel. And I pray this evening that we would just have the desire to obey God and fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Bless your people tonight. I'm so thankful for your people. And I pray, Lord, for our kids' camp that starts tomorrow, that you bless the many, many cumulative hours of preparation. We're asking God that you'll do a great work. We pray for many, many children, many, many young people and families being reached with the gospel this week. We pray for later this week for the great teen outreach that Brother Rains and Brother Reed will be helping us with and for the cola wars that will be associated with that. God, get us in front of hundreds of teenagers so we can reach with the gospel. Use this time, Lord, just to give us a shot in the arm and to help us see that all things are possible to him that believeth. Bless our service tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, believe it or not, by next Sunday, after nine months of, of construction, we are days away from the grand opening. It was here, I think it was, I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, but the, uh, the city of San Leandro had their building inspectors come in, and they're known, they have a reputation of being very, very um, careful about everything they do, and they check everything carefully, and verbally they gave us a temporary, uh, or the temporary uh, permit permission to occupy the premises there next door and to move our furniture and things like that, and so we can have the grand opening, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday, so people can go through and see the marvelous things God has done, and we're praying for that to become a permanent uh, occupancy permit for us to use there. And uh, this new building is the second phase of a building project that 2007 that didn't look like it was going to happen there. And we're just thankful tonight that we're looking at some scriptures where Nehemiah, in a record-breaking 52 days, got a wall completed. The wall went up, and there were some instructions. There were some things they needed to follow. There were some uh, things that had to happen to keep their hearts enthusiastic about the work of God there. We're going to see some things that, that go with the construction project and get our hearts ready. And I hope you'll be much in prayer for next Sunday, for Sunday morning, and then for Sunday night as we enter the building. We, we're trying to get some of our folks, who, some of the folks who've helped us with this building to be here as my folks who we recognize that evening. And uh, we want God to get the glory. We're not using it pretty much as a night to bring a lot of dignitaries from the city in. I just want to focus focus around our church family. This is for us and for our people here this, this next few weeks here and see what God's going to do. And then, Lord willing, on August 12th, we go live with the adult Sunday school classes and growth groups that we want for that, and that'll be a blessing for that. I want you to see five things tonight very quickly because we have a lot going on tonight. See five things tonight from our passage of Scripture. Number one, would you notice in verse 15, I want you to see the glory of the construction project. 
The glory is not for us. The glory is for God. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. The Bible says that God has done great things for us. The glory belongs to God. I want you to notice in verse 15 that what a, what a breath of relief, what a sigh of relief, what a exhilaration was probably was in Nehemiah and the men who stood alongside of him as the building got completed. The Bible says in verse 15, so the wall was finished in the month, in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elo in 50 and 2 days. What looked impossible for many, many years. What people said could not be done. What people dismiss as an impossible, dismiss as a possibility. It was done. It was completed. God helped them to get the building done. It took a long time before the Jews, what seemed impossible on that day, on that 25th day of the month, Elo became a reality. They thought it was impossible because someone said, we don't have the resources. They thought it was impossible because there was ridicule from the enemies on the outside. They thought it was impossible because there were many risks involved. They thought it was possible because there was a lack of leadership, no one being willing to step up and take responsibility for this project. They thought it was impossible. In chapter 1, God stirred up Nehemiah. He heard a report. He visualized his mind as he had a very high-paying job, a very important responsibility. He was he was the king's cupbearer. He was a confidant to the king at that time. And if you know your, your world history, this Persian king, Artaxerxes, Ahasuerus, was a very big king and did a lot of great accomplishments during his lifetime. He was, Nehemiah was the confidant to this man. He heard everything that was on that man's heart and he knew what was on Nehemiah's heart. And when Nehemiah heard about the walls not being repaired and the gates burned down and there was rubbish and debris and everything that happened more than 70 years before that, when, when, when Nebuchadnezzar came in, that gripped his heart. He thought, how could it be for 70, 80, 90 years nobody cared enough about doing something for this wall? Why is it that nobody cared? Why is it that I've got some colleagues that are over there, but nobody cared to do something. And then it dawned on him, I need to do something about it. It dawned on him that I need to stop pointing fingers and look at other people to get it done. I've got to get it done. May I remind us tonight, Christianity is where it's at today, not because people started pointing fingers saying, you need to get it done and you need to get it done. It happened because some men got some courage and they got the fullness of the Spirit. And then he said, I'll be willing to get it done, Lord, if you'll use me. And that tonight is the Spirit we need at Heritage Baptist Church for some men who are somewhere in the corner somewhere decide, you know, it's about time I step up. It's about time it gets done because I'm willing to get it done. I'm willing to get involved to see God do something greater. Let's get an idea how monumental this project was. I don't know if this is in your notes, but you might want to write this down. The length of the walls was about two and a half miles in a total total distance. It was the length of it was two two and a half miles or four four thousand meters. The height of the wall averaged about thirty nine feet. The thickness of the walls was eight and a half feet. I want you to imagine with me. They didn't have machinery. They didn't have all the modern equipment. They didn't have the technology we have today to get things up. They did this with hand and mortar, hand and brick. These men put their hands to the task and they worked 24-7 with the exception of the Sabbath day. They got the job done. They got this work up, this monumental work for the glory of God. The Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 that the people had a mind to work. They put their mind to it. We're going to get this done. They had a mind to work and together with Nehemiah, the walls and the gates were completed in a record setting 52 days. Now notice verse 15 if you want to make some notes here. The month Elo 
Elul, the month Elul here, is equivalent on, on the Jewish ecclesiastical calendar. It is equivalent to the month of August to September. It is equivalent to the month of August to September. According to what we read in Nehemiah 6.15, the project was completed on August 25th of the Jewish ecclesiastical calendar. We are just about, what a similarity, will be completed in the month of August as well. As well. There too is just odds and ends that they need to get done here. And what a wonderful thing. In that month Elo, they had 29 days in the month. And on the 25th day before the month was over, they got the project done. There was glory in that. To God be the glory that they saw this being done. That as days went by, what started out with just a foundation. What started out with just rubbish being cleared out. Now we're seeing a wall that's going up. And you read Nehemiah chapter 3. And what an incredible chapter. Now, people that were kind of disassociated came together and got near to each other and started working and building and building and working and working and building. And they stood next to each other. And one of the phrases that stands out in Nehemiah chapter 3 was, Next unto him, and next unto him, and next unto him. And they put down their differences, and they put down their preferences, and they put down their peculiarities, and they decided this is a project that can be done. And Nehemiah is putting his job on the line. He's putting his neck on the line. He's taking, absorbing all the risks to get this thing done. And I'm going to say tonight that this is to the glory of God. This building next Sunday night will be dedicated to the Lord. It will honor God. Psalms 126 verse 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Psalms 118 verse 23, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Why is it a glorious project? Well, why don't you write this down. This, there's glory in this construction project because it's an answer to prayer. Can I hear an Amen. There's glory in this construction project because there is an immense amount of volunteer effort that has gone into it. There's glory in this construction project because it beautifies the church campus. Can you hear an amen to that? There's glory in this construction project because it gives lots of space to grow and expand. I estimate if we squeeze as many people as we can for just one service, it gives us anywhere between 600 to 700 additional people we can add to the church campus. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that we've got some great neighbors next door to the 2950 Merced Street that allow us to park there at a very affordable rate. Thank the Lord they gave us permission that as soon as we get all this part done, we can put a gate there so we have access from the, that parking lot over here to kind of Shorten the distance you walk around. I'm thankful we've got good neighbors behind us that there's an option still for us to talk about additional parking. But it doesn't stop there because to the glory of God, God has provided all of these things. There's glory in this project because it is a powerful testimony for the gospel and the church that is alive and doing God's business in God's way. Ephesians 4.12 is our theme verse for this, this building. In Ephesians 4.12, it says the following. It says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Our purpose in that building, it is not a preaching auditorium, although there'll be preaching in there. Our purpose in that building is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Our purpose in that building is the training of servants of God. Our purpose in that building is the teaching the Word of God. Our purpose in that building is growth. Our purpose in that building is adding, is starting and adding adult Bible classes, which will be known as adult growth groups, and things, things like that that will help us to grow. Already we've had several today. We've already included and enrolled into adult Bible classes. They're excited about being part of these adult growth groups and realizing that's the place where they'll get mobilized to serve the Lord. That's the place where they'll learn how to care for one another. That's the place where they're going to be under the instruction of God's Word and have people just like themselves help encourage them about things that are going on in their lives and be able to write down their questions on a piece of paper and have a competent Bible teacher be able to answer that question for them and then to hear a lesson that encourage them about the things of God. Listen, that's going to be a wonderful building. Now, we've called this 
this building for all this time, the education building. The fire department came and said to Brother Denny, Brother Denny, we need to get in Brother Don, we need to get a name for these buildings here for fire purposes so that if there's ever emergency, we've identified this building, that building, and the main building. So we're in the process of getting a name for the main building as well. But we've called it the education building. We felt like we wanted something a little bit more consistent with the theme, something that we would identify with. This building is the Heritage Center. We have named the building next door the Berean Center. Because in Acts chapter 17, it speaks about the Bereans. They searched the Scriptures daily whether these things were so. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say tonight, we're very serious about the preaching and teaching of God's Word. We're very serious about God's Word being communicated to hearts and people getting their souls fed. And so that building will be known as the Berean Center, as this is known as the Heritage Center. There's glory in this construction project because all of it is of God this evening. Number two. I want you to consider with me chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. We see the glory in the project. I want you to notice with me tonight the goals of this project. The goals of this project. Now we get to chapter 7, the wall is completed. The problems didn't go away, but the wall is completed. Gates are up. There's a sense of security. you got to remember, for, for cities in those days... A city was considered fortified when it had fortified walls. It was telling the people on the outside, you just try to come over. You just try to pierce this. We're well fortified. We're concerned about protecting our resources here. And this was a city on a hill. And that was a city that needed to be protected. And for the first time in many, many years, the wall was back up there. Notice chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Now Nehemiah puts a different hat on. He's putting on the hat of realizing we've got to analyze and assess what we're going to do next. He's looking here as we go from chapter 7 to the end of the chapter. The goals of the city and the goals of the people. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed that I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, uh, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, everyone to be over against his house. Now, sometimes if you've read this in your devotion, your Bible reading, you probably have skipped right past it not realizing what Nehemiah was doing there. Listen very carefully. He was giving structure to the structure. He was giving structure to what they needed to do. He was providing a plan. He was showing them the goals of the construction project. He was giving structure to the structure there. He appointed spiritually responsible men over the city and the gates. Notice verse 2. He said, I gave my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. Church, if there's ever a time we need to be close to God. If there's ever time we need to be moving forward on our knees. If there's ever time we need to be close to God in our spiritual walk, it's right now. There's never been a more needy time. Thank God for people who've been on their knees during this construction project. But beloved, I'm going to tell you, as soon as that building, we dedicate that building, we need to stay on our knees and we need to keep begging God and we need to keep being close to the Lord. And he appointed faithful men who feared God above many. Listen, don't lose your fear of God. As you get, as you get older and as you accumulate 
make toys. And as you think you become important, never forget one thing. God is still on his throne. Amen. We better keep on fearing God. We better keep finding that commandment that, that, that's told us in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. That we're to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Notice something else here. He appointed people who had training in specific areas for the work of the Lord. He put singers there. And the Levites were appointed. And the porters were there. He appointed men who were faithful and feared God above many. He had a plan and goals for that, build, for that, for that wall. May you indulge me for a few minutes. As I kind of bring it down to our level and tell you some of the goals of the building, tell you some descriptions about it. Some of you have gone through, we're trying to get as many people through it as we can. If you haven't gone through it by next Sunday night, you'll have that opportunity. But let me describe the building to you just in a little bit here. The whole building space is about, about 15,000 square feet in its footprint. It's two stories in nature. The building, as I said, is for discipling and instructional purposes. We, as you enter into that building, you'll see a, a desk there, a large visitor welcome desk. There is a visitor center there. That's our starting point. Assimilation for visitors begins in the parking lot. Someone that comes into the church, we want them to feel welcome and to be greeted. They're going to have several people to shake their hands along the way to let them know we're very thankful they're here. And from that process, we introduce them. We walk them through the visitors to the visitor center there, this right at the front of the building with the high ceiling and the glass, the glass front entry. And there they'll have, there'll be a, a screen where they can see where they're supposed to go for classes or whatever there. And uh, they'll be given their visitor, uh, their visitor pack at that moment of time. And they'll be shown to where they need to go. If they have children in the nursery and children in their toddlers or kindergarten age, they'll be led over to that place and then to their adult, their adult Bible class to find their, their enrollment there. We have, uh, it's a building where, thank the Lord, we've got many restrooms. There was a time we were running out of restrooms. How many remember that? Amen. And uh, thank the Lord, now we've got many, many restrooms there. On both floors, men and women, there are modern restrooms there. Uh, there is an elevator there for those who have difficulty in walking, for wheelchair access, and for our elderly. It is not an amusement park ride for someone to go on there, or for your kid to go on there and push a button and slowly goes up. Slowly goes up. I'll just tell you this, if you can walk, you can go up those stairs a lot faster than the elevator. Amen. Okay. But that elevator is there for people who have difficulty moving around and it's only for that purpose or for moving and transporting things upstairs please parents help me tell your children to respect the house of god ask your children to say this is god's building we're not to run around this building we're not to mark it we're not to graffiti it we're not to be playing on the elevators or think this is a playground it is not a playground it is a building constructed by god for god's for by the money of god's people that god has provided for god's glory there it is open for church use at specific times it is not where you can come and go just as he talked about here he opened up the gates and he said in verse three let the gates be open till the sun be hot and while they stand by let them shut the doors and bar it there are days there's times when it's only open for church, church usage there. It will have classrooms with very expensive equipment. It will have an infant nursery, a toddler room, a kindergarten room. Right now, we're just thankful. I was just very thankful when we first came to this property that we just had a, we thought the nursery that we had then was just a really well laid out nursery and so forth. And, and then over time, it became very crowded and it became just kind of a, a stopping source for everything where our infants and our toddlers and kindergarten was all in the same place. And I just want to say, church, thank you for raising your children during those difficult times where we just saw we had to work with and, and working with the toys and things like that. But now we're at a place where we have three 
dedicated rooms for all that. We have the infant, we have the infant location where uh, infants can be cared for. And, and parents, you can take your young, young infants and leave them there. And there's a, there's, a, there's a mother's private nursing room there. And it's a very spacious and well to be used. And, and it's, got a, it's got a flat panel screen there so that if mother's there, they can watch the services being live streamed. And then we have a, we have a desk there so that when you, when you bring your child, you can check your child in and we will return your child to you. We would gladly return your child to you. Amen. And uh, we will do that. And uh, it'll be there for the for for safety and security purposes. And then over next right next door to the the next room over is a toddler room. So now they start to run and walk and things like that. That the child children can go there. And if you if you've done the inspection, notice there we have we have uh, we have specific to the co. We have little children's toilets there for them. It's kind of a blessing for little kids there. And uh, we have there. It's very spacious for them. And then right next door to this, the kindergarten room, spacious for them. I mean, it's just a blessing. We have three dedicated rooms. What a tragedy to waste those rooms and not use them for the glory of God. I just want to encourage you to have faith in the building, have faith in God. Let's use those rooms for God's glory. Uh, these rooms have, it, have that check-in desk. Uh, for all parents, I just want to say again, that the, these three rooms are for your babies and your children right there on the first floor. Now, our mindset of what we're going to do starting August 12th, we're going to move the existing nursery, toddler, and kindergarten to this new building. That Where it's at right now will no longer be functionally used for that purpose. So when you come in or you have visitors come in, the best thing for you to do is have them drive in and circle around to the back here. They can drop their, they can drop their, 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 their family, your family up right over here. They can walk their way in. Children go there. The adult growth group classes on the first hour will all be inside there. So you not only can you drop off your, your, your little toddlers or your babies, now you can go to your, your adult growth growth group from there and we'll keep them there that whole time and uh, we will pre- keep it as secure as possible for the for the front way in and, and uh, limited access to the back way in there um, there will be a room in the back uh, I forget the room number there. I think it's room 102 I believe but there'll be a room in the back there that's designated and built for choir rehearsal purposes and the walls are specifically designed for sound purposes acoustical purposes uh, there'll be a media room on the upstairs which functions as our control room in the brains for our AV and media it's a specific room where they can do their videoing and a number of things like that. And there's a lots and lots of equipment, lots and lots of wiring in that room. There'll be a room that's going to be right next to the, what, I, what I've designated as the pastoral prayer and conference room, which has restricted usage. There'll be a kitchen downstairs, which is mainly used for, uh, for our clubs and have very restricted usage. It's not for you to come in and decide, well, I'm going to try my Martha Stewart recipe and try to do so. That, that's not what we got the kitchen there for. The kitchen specific for church usage and checkout times. We will have a uh, Lots of cabinet spacing throughout the building. I thank the Lord that Brother Don and Brother Denny thought up very carefully about the spacing there. And we've got more than enough cabinet spacing at this moment of time for our equipment and our supplies. It is not for you to hide your clutter in there or to leave behind your clothing. We want to be very careful that those cabinets do not become a clutter spot there. We have this beautiful courtyard here for fellowship. We want to encourage fellowship there. But we don't want people walking where the planted areas are. We want you to observe the, the concreted areas and take advantage of it for fellowship and a wonderful time, maybe just on a Sunday evening like after this, where folks can kind of assemble there and fellowship and be a blessing. Beloved, this is a $6 million building that God, with furnishings that God has given to us, and we want to be very good stewards and taking good care of that building. Can I hear an amen about that? Now, please observe the following. The building is not for loitering or hideout for meetings. You know, sometimes you want to talk to somebody, that building is not for that purpose. Neither is the main building. It is a building 
that's being dedicated for the glory of God. The building is not for you to help yourself to the equipment, including the pianos, the whiteboards, the monitors and computer desks that we have there. It's to be strictly observed and followed through as far as usage. The kitchen is not for us to walk through and help ourselves to usage or put things in your, your stuff in that refrigerator there. Most of the time, it will be locked to prevent, uh, prevent abuse of that, that privilege there and prevent non-approved usage. The building and rooms will have cameras installed for security and monitoring. I plan as soon as it gets installed to have it so I can check on my phone to find out who's in there and be able to monitor 24-7 what's going on with that building. That's pretty much where we're going with pretty much throughout fundamentalism where pastors need to know what's going on for security purposes. We have closets there. We have a lot of storage there. We want to make sure nothing, nothing funny or goofy is happening in the building and it's going to be monitored by those cameras and by men in the church are going to be monitoring that. Um, we want to ask you that you give, you know, uh, you know, just observe using this building for your glory in many ways. For instance, parents with young children, uh, there will be a separate room set aside where maybe you have children very active and you feel like you need to sit with your child. That's okay. That's fine. But we want to encourage you to use what we, what's called, for, for lack of a better term, the cry room or, or ba- ba- basically the, the little children's room there. You can use that. There will be a monitor there so it's live stream. Uh, the message and the service will be live streamed so you can be there with your child and, and so that you don't feel like you're a distraction to the church and you feel like... That, that you can just enjoy the service then. And then if your child needs to use the restroom that's right next to the restrooms there, and we want to encourage you to use that until your children are able to sit through the service as well. And, we, uh, you know, those would be good things for you there. Uh, we're developing policies regarding freshmen and food. And I just want you to bear with me for a minute. Uh, we, we're very careful about these floors. We don't want those floors all stained and ruined. Downstairs, with the exception of the choir room, all of downstairs is kind of a floor, kind of a tiling down there. And upstairs is all carpet. We don't want these things stained and ruined. There's thousands and thousands of dollars of tiling and, and carpeting there. And you wouldn't want somebody dripping stuff on your home, on your carpet. If you do, that's your business. Amen, you know. But in that building, we want to be very protective. So you bear with us. We're still in the summer months right now, and the weather's good. We're going to have for the adult classes, all your refreshments in the morning will be outside here in the courtyard there. So you can get your refreshments as you come in. You can encourage people to come early, get the refreshments. And by the way, by the way, just let me say this today, okay? Refreshments don't have to be elaborate breakfast. Amen? It doesn't have to be elaborate breakfast, okay? It just just be a blessing. And if you feel inclined, you want to do that at home, that's fine. And you want to bring that. But it doesn't have to be elaborate breakfast. We're, we're, you know, there's a, you know, we've gotten a place where some, some of us got this idea of we don't have refreshments, people will come. You know, Jack Kyle's had a statement years ago. He says, what you win them with is what you keep them with. If people are only coming for the food, there's something wrong with that picture there. Amen. Amen, Pastor. You need to be coming for the Word of God. As soon as we get that building out, I'm going to have a Bible Sunday. You say, what's a Bible Sunday? There are a lot of people who don't bring their Bibles to church. You need to bring your Bible to church. Open the book. I realize we've got all these other issues. Bring a Bible there. And I know, I know in our foreign languages, and some of our foreign languages, we've got issues because they're not Texas Receptus TR, TR translation. But I tell you what, we always correct, we've always corrected translations that are wrong in the foreign languages with the King James Version that's in English. We've always done it that way. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's still being done around the world. We're this, this whole mindset, we've got to do it this way and that way and this way and that way. That came from Western missionaries who just forgot about why we have the book. And I just want to say to you, I realize it's on the, it's on the iPads and all those things, but let's use the book. So on the food and beverages, please keep it outside the building. There's great temptations 
to bring it in. Let's keep it outside the building until we establish a more, till we have a better feel for things there. Now, I need you to be flexible. Tonight, I'll be telling the teachers we have an interim layout in terms of where the majority of the classes that will be in there, what's going to happen. But we may move you around. We may wind up finding a class that we thought was going to be a certain size might wind up being smaller. We may have to move you to a different room so that we have more room. Right now, the way we spaced it out there in the first hour, I've got room for adding another seven classes. Well, to me, another seven classes is about maybe 400 people that I could add there. So I want to be very careful in terms of what we do there. The same for the second hour. I want to be very careful that. If you wind up being a class on the second floor, you, 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 you teachers, I'll say this later tonight, you teachers and, and, and workers, you need to make sure, especially the first hour, you don't linger around there that you make your way downstairs and you find your way out, make sure everything's clean there. And then on the second hour, same thing for the second hour, we want to make sure everything's cleaned up there and we dispose of our garbage, things of that. We want to encourage everyone, please clean up after yourself. We're now adding 15,000 square feet of space. It really helps out on Monday mornings when we clean up after ourselves. Hey, you know what? Just, let's just take responsibility, amen? Let's just, just be mature about it and be Christian, take responsibility. It's not that much work to take garbage can out, throw it out there a little bit there. Years ago... And sometimes I'd walk, and I still do now, walk the campus, but I see the garbage over if I'm looking for certain places where it may be overflowing. And I remember one Sunday there I was doing it, and we had a man that was here at church that, that thought it was above, beneath the pastor's dignity to do that, and he started talking about that. Then Pember started asking him, well, how come you don't take out the garbage? And I want to say the same thing. Listen, I'm, I'm more than glad to do that, but members, this is your church, and this is your building as well. We've got to take good care of God's property there. And sometimes we think, well, give it to somebody else and give it to the young people. No, how about we do the job, adults? How about we step up and be responsible? Can you hear an amen? So let's just do that. This is God's building. We're entrusted with this care. I'm planning for growth and expansion. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say something to the next, next, uh, next point here, but I'm planning for growth and expansion. I want visitors to see these buildings that they're welcoming and they're warm and God's presence in it. I want them to walk in and they're going to say, wow, this is fantastic. And our response to that should be, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. That's what they need to hear over and over again. People need to know this didn't come about because we got an endowment and it didn't come about because someone gave us a big loan. No, this came about because of sacrifice, sweat and tears and prayer and God being in this matter. So we, let's observe this thing. Let's not let these buildings get old on us. Let's not let these buildings become something we just take for granted. Every single time you drive on campus and you walk across here, take a moment and say, God, thank you for what you've done and thank you what you've put here. And thank you, Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an asset here that draws people in and they see what's going on there. They're amazed what's going on. And listen, I tell you, there are folks that came today and are here tonight. They're, they've not been to churches that have not built anything for a long time or even remodeled there. I'm just saying this, what a testimony to faith and God's people getting behind something that glorifies Him. I'm just saying today, we see the goals of the building. Number three, which you notice going back to chapter six, a third thing. We see the glory. This is the Lord's doing. We see the goals. He appointed people and things to be done. Notice number three, we see the grief. Now, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, it, it, it wears on your soul to read that, that passage here. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and several others did not like the fact the wall was being built. In fact, notice verses 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I built the wall and there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And you know the phrase there. When someone tells you to go to Ono, you need to say, Oh, no, I'm not going to Ono. Amen. 
You read this passage of scripture, they are so unhappy that Nehemiah has built this wall. They try to bully him. They try to intimidate him. You know, when we get bullies in the church, there's an attitude problem there. There's a spirit problem there. Nobody has the right to walk around church, especially as a layman, or even some of the pastoral capacity, to have a bully attitude. Push people around, intimidate them, say, well, you know, you, this is my, my thing. No, you know, you don't just come at... Ministry is a blessing from God, is an entrustment, not an entitlement. We have to remind ourselves as we work through the things of God here that this is a blessing from God. Now, notice some things about this. There were some who just felt like, you know what, we're going to keep pushing the mind. You read verses 1 to 15, they kept doing some things. And I just want to say tonight, there are some, it happens every church, the range you have in your church. There are some in every church who don't like the fact faith is exercised, buildings are built. There's some in every church who have preferences about the building or the room usage and they don't agree with things and they start murmuring under their breath and get upset about it didn't happen this way, it didn't happen this way, it didn't happen this way. And I just want to say to you, can I just bear my heart to you? Don't, don't be a grief to the work of God. Amen. Don't be a grief to the work of God. Because if you're a grief to the work of God, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Notice verse 16. It came to pass when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen, that's the lost people on the outside, that were about us, they saw these things. They were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. You know what could destroy nine intensive months of construction? This stuff like this. Or an addict like this. Who do you think you are, Pastor? That'll destroy it. That'll hurt the testimony of the church. Listen, everybody's got preferences about things. We don't divide on preferences. We agree on Jesus and don't let the preferences divide us. Amen? So let me give you some things tonight as we enter the building of how not to be a grief. One, don't be disparaging. Don't be disparaging. That means don't be critical. There's, there's always, hey, listen, everything, there's always an improvement to something. We are in a society because of a terrible media-driven society that is always disparaging. They disparage this, they disparage that. This is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Listen, as a, as a Christian, don't be critical. Don't be disrespectful. Say praise the Lord and everything. Amen? Amen? Secondly, don't be disagreeable. Okay, sometimes in right, you know, listen, doctrine divides, building colors should not divide. Amen? Don't be disagreeable. Number three, look what Nehemiah said. Don't be a distraction. When these things happen, they become a distraction. Don't, don't have me running around like a chicken without my head, trying to put out some fires I don't need to be putting out. Don't create fires. Look what they said. They said, let's go, let's, let's leave this location. Let us go down away to one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. Now, like Nehemiah's attitude, I sent messengers to them. He said, I don't have time to deal with you. I sent messengers unto them. He said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down? Do you know what he's saying there? I don't have time to be distracted. Listen, I don't have time to be distracted right now. We are, we're in the cusp right now of trying to get people saved, trying to get the gospel to as many people as we can, trying to make disciples for Jesus Christ and build people up in the Lord, try to start a few more new ministries and some things going on. We don't have time for distractions. Please don't be a distraction to the work of God. Amen? Number four, don't be divisive. You've heard me say this for the last 10 years we've been in this building program. Building programs bring the best and the worst out of people. They do. They bring the best and the worst out of people. Let's rise up and have a spirit like Nehemiah. Let's have a spirit of faith. 
Let's not be content with just the buildings. Let's pray out of faith. God, let's hold the sun still somewhere. Let's do something greater for God. Let's do something to advance the cause of Christ. Let's not run short of vision. And let's not run short of opportunities of serving God and making the most of our time. And then, just let me just give you a thought here. Don't be a spokesman for other people who may have grief about the building, but they've chosen you to be the spokesman to go about. And here's what they typically say. They'll come to you and complain about something. Somebody says this. Well, people are saying, come on, give me a break. People are saying, it's only one or two people saying that. Come on. They said, people are saying this and people are saying that. Well, you know what you should do as a good deacon, as a good staff member, as a good church member? You know what you should say? You should say something like this. Brother Rob, this is what they should say. Say, well, you know, if you feel that way, I'll take you to pastor and let's go talk to pastor together about the situation. You hear a lot of amens about that. Don't be a silent majority. There's the grief. This building didn't go up without a lot of grief to Nehemiah's soul. And sometimes when grievous things happen, they'll do like verse 10. Look at verse 10. A false prophet comes along the way, who Shemaiah was. He said, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to withdraw from what you're doing. And let's, there's a, I got a back room here in the house of God. And you can just go hide back there so nobody bothers. Basically, he was trying to get him off the construction project and try to get him to stop so they could deter things. And God gave him a spirit of wisdom moment of time. And I like Nehemiah's response in verse 11. He says, you're trying to make me, sh- you're trying to show the enemies that I'm scared and intimidated by these things I'm hearing. And you know what he said there? Should such a man as I flee? And let me just say a thought there. You know, sometimes we feel like we're, we're just, the best escape is to escape. We think the best way to deal with the problem is to run away and to leave. And we need a spirit like Nehemiah that says, should such a man as I flee. He says, listen, I, I've put my hand to the task. I've been here. I've worked it. I believe in what God's doing here. This is an answer prayer. He says, I'm not going to run from this and I'm not going to go hide from this. I'm staying visible. I'm staying right here until we get this project done. And I'm saying here, as long as God gives you and I breath, let's stay right here at the forefront until the project gets done for the glory of God. Number four, would you notice the gathering? We see the glory. We see the goals. We see the grief. Notice the gathering. Don't go to chapter eight. This is why they built the building. By the way, I like what chapter 7 says, the rest of chapter 7 talked about Nehemiah got a burden in his heart to do a registry of everyone who'd come back into Jerusalem. They had a record there, and it's kind of like everyone was signing their names on the wall, but they didn't. He's got a registry of everyone that was there. Hey, I want a big crowd next Sunday night, and I want a record of everybody who came that says, to God be the glory, this building was open. Amen? That would be a wonderful thing on next Sunday night there. But notice some things of this gathering. In chapter 8, Verse 1 says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. That's one month, that's, uh, that's uh, right, right around the same time. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midnight before the men and the women and those could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law and Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand on his left hand Padiah Mishael and Melchiah and Heshan and Heshabadana and Zechariah and Meshulam and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people when he opened it the people stood up and Ezra blessed the Lord the great God and all the people answered Amen Amen with lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Would you notice what happened here? 
People didn't assemble the wall and say, let's party. They didn't say, let's get the refreshments out. They, they didn't, they didn't assemble at the wall and say, well, you know what? Let's just, uh, let, let's think about what, what we're going to grow around the walls. No, you know what they did? They got to the main street there by the water gate. The water gate is symbolic of the word of God. And they went there and Ezra now comes onto the scene. They erect this platform with a wooden pulpit. He stands above the people, the wooden pulpit, and you have to imagine, he didn't have the completed word of God, he didn't have a New Testament, but what he did have, he raised the scrolls high, and he opened the book, and he read the word of God distinctly to the people. Now listen, that building is for the word of God, it's not for anything else. It's for the word of God, it's for the promotion of God's word in our heart. And if there's ever a time we need to have a hunger and a thirst in our heart for God, and a hunger and a thirst in our heart to learn the word of God and grow in the faith, it is now. There are, there are umpteen numbers of people who do not attend our adult Sunday school who need to get enrolled. There's umpteen numbers of people who are not back here on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights that need to get into the house of God. They need to be there. They need to realize the preeminence of God's word in their life. Listen, you're here tonight because you learned about that. You knew it's more than just three to thrive. You realize without God's word in your heart, you're not going to grow. So notice some things here and recap what we just read. They gathered as one man. Would you help me tonight? Let's gather as one man. Amen. Let's come together as one man. Let's just say, you know, tonight it's all about God. We're to gather together as one man. The book of the law was read, notice, morning until midnight. I appreciate that. I need to read that to the Sunday morning crowd. Amen. They read it from morning until midnight. And morning means sunrise. They read it from morning to midday. And Ezra stood from a pulpit made of wood. And he opened the book in sight of all the people. He blessed the Lord, the great God. He blessed the Lord and gave God the glory. And the people were so filled with excitement and enthusiasm. Their response was, Amen! Amen! And listen, it's okay to say Amen. Listen, in a church setting like this, we want to encourage people to say Amen. They need to know they're not here for a performance where... With everything. What we do in Baptist circles, we say amen when we hear something good. Amen. We say amen when we hear preaching. We say amen when the word of God is read. We say amen when we hear godly music like we heard tonight. That is Bible. And that's Christian. Amen means so be it, Lord. Amen means thus, thus saith the Lord. Amen. You know, we just need to have that Christian vocabulary. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I don't come from that kind of background. No, but you got saved and amen should be in your vocabulary. Amen. Bunch of silent amen. Amen. Some of you guys are so afraid of your wife, you whisper to your wife, you hey man, she said, what did you say? Get some amen in you. Well, I'm Asian. Say amen. I'm Hispanic. Say amen. I'm Filipino. Say amen. Doesn't matter what you are, say amen. You're God, you're God's elect. Amen. amen. Jesus inside your heart? Amen. You going to heaven? Amen. You believe in the unclouded day? Amen. You believe he's building a magic sky for you? Amen. You believe that Jesus is in the saving business? Amen. You believe he's still sending missionaries out? Amen. You still, you believe he still works through preaching? Amen. Then if you believe that, just keep saying amen. amen. And don't leave it to tonight and you forget about that next Sunday, amen. I'll preach the same message again for the next 52 weeks. Amen. Even Brother Daniel was amen to me tonight. Amen. Come on, Brother Daniel. Amen. <laughs> Brother Daniel's a blessing. Amen. Hey, look at verse chapter 8. This is why we have adult growth groups. They gave understanding of the word. 
You, you know what's hard for somebody who doesn't know the Bible? What's he talking about? Or worse yet, someone who doesn't understand why we use the King James Version of the Bible. And we have an obligation, a responsibility out of love to explain to them and help them to understand the Word of God. I, I've been taking people, I might preach this Wednesday night if I, if I don't ask one of the other men to preach here, but I've been taking people through just on discipling through, uh, just, just kind of just open the book from the book of James and just teaching people through about, about the book of James. And I've done for several groups just a, James 1 to 5, just chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 about why does God give us trials? Why does God give us trials? You know, number one, God gives us trials for our perspective. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Our perspective should be, thank you, Lord, for giving me that trial. And it's easy to say it when you don't have a trial, but once your trial, the perspective we need to have is count it all joy. And I've told some people, God gives us trials not only for our perspective, but God gives us trials to teach us patience. How many believe tonight you need patience? Amen. How many of you are praying for patience? You're in trouble. God's going to send you more trials. <laughs> Tribulation, work with patience. Don't pray, for tri- don't pray for patience or you're going to get trials. Amen. But patience have a perfect work. You can't rush God. In the maturing process, you need to let God work in your heart and mind. How many enjoy a, well, a well-prepared meal? You know, when there's a lot of work that goes into preparing a meal. Amen. Brother Eugene, amen. You make some pupusas. It's a lot of work. Amen, brother. It's a lot of work, pupusas. But when you eat it, it's a blessing, isn't it? When God works in our heart, he's teaching us how to wait on God. You know, one of the greatest virtues we miss in our life is learning how to wait on God. I told the Sunday morning crowd, I said, God, just there's a lot of things going on in my life right now. Health trials, a number of things like that. And I was on my knees this morning and, and praying and last night and just asked, begging God for some things. And I said, Lord, just I need something today. I said, would you indulge me? I just need something. And God gave me Psalms 138 this morning in my reading. And he said, he basically, the last verse says, the Lord will perfect that concerning you. I said, Lord, thank you. I needed that. And he says, that will revive us in the time of trouble. I said, Lord, I needed that. And patience is, you know, the Bible says this, add your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and watch this, and to temperance, patience. And what follows patience? Godliness. By the way, I'm godly. No, you're not. If you're not patient, you're not godly. <laughs> you, 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 you skipped a step. You can't skip a step on the stair climbing there, amen? Okay? Add your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, loving like God loves. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you know what Jesus is all about there is what he's saying. We need patience. We're impatient people. I'm not impatient. Let me sit with you in the car and trap and we'll find out. Amen. Let me go with you into lines at Costco on the day before Thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs> at three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. 
God gives us trials for our perspective. God gives us trials for pay. Hey, listen, listen. God gives us trials for purging. He calls it a fiery trial. The purest silver, purest gold. As a bar, as a hard, solid metal is placed in a crucible which will not burn in the fire. That crucible with that metal is placed inside a fire that's heated up. They say that silver and gold melts at temperatures of 1,200 to 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. I asked a guy from GE one time, he, I was asking, hey, explain to me this self-cleaning thing on these ovens there. And he's explained it to me, and I said, uh, well, what heat does it heat up at? Oh, probably 700, 800 degrees Fahrenheit. I said, what happens if you open that up while it's going on? He says, you'll melt your face off in a matter of seconds. He says, do not open that oven door. And I want you to understand, when you take silver and gold and you heat it up, what happens at 1,200, 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit? It melts and becomes a liquid. And as it becomes a liquid, what floats to the top is the scum and the impurities that's known in the Bible. It's called dross. And while it's liquid there, you take a scooper of some kind that will not melt during the heat, and you scoop off those impurities, the scum of that dross off of there. And listen, that's what a fiery trial does. But listen, fiery trials demand fireproof Christians. When Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were put in the fiery furnace, when they came out, you know what King Nebuchadnezzar said? He said he took a sniff of them. Their hair was not singed. Their clothes was not burned. The fire did not touch them. But I will say this, whatever impurities were in their life, when they went in the fire, they, the, the, those impurities were burned because when they came out of the fire, none of those impurities were on them. And God many times has to give us trials to burn those impurities off of our life. But if you look at James 1.5, God gives us trials, not just for perspective, not just for patience, not just for purging. God gives us trials to teach us how to pray. You know the statement I've said for many years, God, we must pray like we're in a trial or God sends us trials to teach us how to pray. Give them understanding the word of God. I've been teaching that for the last several weeks. And everyone I've taught it to has said, Pastor, I never understood that that way. I didn't understand it. I, I've not read this passage of Scripture correctly. And I said, well, that's why you're in Heritage Baptist Church. Our teachers are committed to help you understand. By the way, you're not to teach and impress people with your knowledge. We're not impressing knowledge. We're trying to get them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're trying to get them closer to Christ. Did you notice something else in chapter 8? Don't worry, we're almost done. Look at verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, the governor, if you would, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. You know what I'm praying for, church? I'm praying for a day where all of us will weep at the reading of the word of God. What a great day that will be. I'm praying for a day where through our church will be such a revival that will weep at the reading of God's word. Just the reading of God's word. Our hearts will be broken, weeping. Why? Because they've been so disjointed. They were so lacking vision. There had not been the exercise of faith for years. 
Nothing great had happened in Jerusalem for years. Now, for the moment of time, the walls are built. The people are secure. There's leadership there. The presence of God is there. And now Ezra the scribe, he opens up the book and he stands before the people and he's read it all day. And as God's word is being read all day, it starts working their hearts and working away. And I'll tell you why your heart's hard. You're not spending enough time in the word of God. Those two men on Emmaus, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as we walk with him in the way? How long do I read my Bible? You read your Bible until your heart burns. They wept the reading of God's word. They proclaimed that day is holy to the Lord. It wasn't even on their Jewish calendar. They said, this day is holy to the Lord. By the way, every, every day should be holy to the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. They were told as they were weeping in verse 10, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Those of you who don't want to go on a diet, you always read that. That's your verse you claim for your life. Amen. <laughs> Took some of the boys out for to eat, man, one pound burger, fries, a milkshake. That has to be 5,000 calories, beloved. They said they weren't hungry. I said, no, you're not. You must be hungry still after all that. Amen. But he said, verse 10, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Now, I just want to recommend you the sweet might be sweet tea. Get rid of your soda water. Amen. And he said, and then send some portions to them for whom nothing prepared. Why? He said, for this day is holy to the Lord. Neither be you sorry. And I like this phrase, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we, didn't, we don't need just a revival of the reading of God's word where we're weeping. You know what we need a revival of? We need a revival where every single person comes to this church has such a joy of the Lord. That's your strength. That's your exuberation. That gets you through the next day. Listen, it's not, it's not some self-help book or reading John Maxwell or something like that that's going to get you to the next day. You've got to get the joy of the Lord in your heart because you can skip with a beat and you can walk with joy. You say, man, it's a fresh day. It's a new day. And the Lord is with me and God's going to guide me. And you can wake up every day and say, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. I'm saying today, we need a revival. The joy of the Lord, our strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, he says. The B.C. is about the word of God. Finally, would you notice tonight the gladness. Verse, chapter 8, verse 17. We're done. There's the glory. There's the goals, there's a the grief, there's a the gathering. Notice the gladness. Now, they did the Feast of Tabernacles at that time, where I preached a message about that earlier this year. The water was drawn out and poured out, and for seven days, the people sat on these booths to remind, to remind themselves of how God brought them out of Egypt, what all God did, the Passover, the crossing of the Red Sea and all that. And all the congregation in verse 17, that were come again out of the captivity, made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. Can you imagine the length of time they had not done that? And then they did that again. Verse 17 says, and there was very great gladness. People come to church. Have a smile like Sister Simona. I'm glad you're in church. Have an infectious smile. Have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Don't, don't have the spirit. Oh, we got more visitors. Praise God, we got more visitors. It's your problem. Amen. No. Now, praise God. 
This is the day coming. We're going to run out of chairs. Praise God. We have to go to two services or find another building. Amen. There's great gladness. There's a smile on your face. Why did little children come to Jesus and they embraced him? Because there was nobody happier than Jesus who walked the shores of Galilee. Get the joy of the Lord in your life. Compared to eternity, our problems are not that big. We have a God who's a friend in need and a friend indeed. That building's for the glory of God. Be excited. Be enthused. Work with us. We take suggestions. Ideas is always, and we've had several that are good ideas. Thank the Lord for that. Be flexible. Don't waste the privilege. Don't throw it away. These people had gone years from the time Joshua settled them in the promised land. Hundreds of years. Until that day when they did the Feast of the Tabernacles. They constructed those booths. They thought they hadn't done that before. They thought, man, we've got to keep this up. There's joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in seeing answered prayer. There's joy in seeing a crucified life. There's joy in seeing people surrender to the ministry and do something for God. I so appreciate Brother Caleb's testimony tonight. He came to Bible college looking for a fight. Instead of a fight, he got called to ministry and he's serving God. What a great spirit. The time people are rejecting the ministry, you go up to Falls Baptist Church, they're standing in line to serve God. That's a great spirit. I know you've got your fears, your concerns. I understand all that. But speak people of great faith. The God who held the sun still for Joshua is the same God we have right now. So tonight, I just ask you very simply this evening, take a moment of the invitation. As the Lord prepare my heart to be a blessing for this new building. Help me, Lord, to have a good spirit. Help me, Lord, to be part of the process here that's going to help make this flow. Help me to roll up my sleeves and be a volunteer to help. Help me to get, in, get involved and do my part. Help me to teach my children. By the way, this is a great time to instruct and teach your children of the things God's doing right now. You ought to be keeping a diary and a record of what God is doing right now. Some of you need to get a, get a, get a, your, 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 your camcorder out on your phone and just video your children walking around that courtyard. Remind yourself they're not going to be that age again, and you need to tell them about the great things of God. And remind them this is not how it goes in other places, and there's still more to do. And by the way, let me just say one thing, and I'm done. Let, let me remind you today, we still need to, we still have about, I don't know, about $3.8 million of debt we'll have to pay off, something like that. I don't know what the number is, 3.5, 3.8 million of debt. And I, I want you to just come alongside of me and help me with the church as we will announce officially next Sunday night about the 1K Challenge. And the 1K Challenge is if you're high school age up between now and January 20th, which is our 20th anniversary. We're asking God's people to take on the challenge of coming, if you're high school aging up, a minimum of a $1,000 offering that you'll bring. Listen, that gives you for high schoolers and college students, you can go find work, you can go babysit, you can go flip burgers at In-N-Out. In-N-Out pays pretty good money, by the way. You go flip some burgers there or whatever it has that you have to do and uh, just you know, set, set aside some money. Maybe you need to cut out some excesses in your budget and just set aside some money. And let's come collectively. If 450 or so of us could come on that evening and between now and that time with a minimum of $1,000 
an offering. You can bring more than that if God leads in your heart, but work towards that. I'm trying to take into account uh, our ladies who do not have full-time jobs who are trying to find ways that they're going to do that. And high schoolers, we're trying to find ways to help high schoolers and college students and Single folks and maybe some retirees who have who have restricted income to find ways they can they can develop this. But what a wonderful thing would be we can come and do that once a year. We can come with a one k offering once a year that we bring we bring just like they did in, in Josiah's day, uh, Joash's day, excuse me. We can bring it to a box and deposit that offering there and say so this is going towards the debt service building. Listen, that'd be wonderful at that that amount of money. Maybe in six or seven years we can get this thing completely paid paid down before we start looking at the next project wherever God lays in our heart. I just want to encourage. To get on board with that's our next step we've got to do. And then our next step beyond that is to fill up that building. Let's go after souls, go after people, and uh, just get a great enthusiasm, excitement for God. Go back over all the messages I've preached this summer about winning souls and fruit that remains. I didn't preach them because I didn't have anything else to preach. I've got lots of things to preach. But I'm telling you, I preach that because I want us to get our hearts to remind us of the building is for one purpose, and that's to get people in there and to hear the gospel and get saved and trained in the things of God. And so we need to do all those things and get on it and listen. Just get with me tonight and just say, Lord, I'm going to Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I may not have the talents. I may have the skills, but I'm going to do it. And so you find your place tonight. Make your decision to get involved and let the Lord touch your life. And before you leave church tonight, as we stack up these chairs and Sunday school teachers, we have a quick meeting. Remind yourself tonight, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you've lost your joy, you can get it right back here. Just like the lost act said, you'll get you'll find it where you lost it. Get back your joy. Get back your joy about being married. Get back your joy about being a teenager. Get back your joy about being a man and being a woman. You live in a day and age where they're not sure what they want to do. Be, be, get, just get back your joy. I'm a man. Get back your joy. I'm a woman. Not me. Women. Let me make sure that didn't get interpreted wrong. I saw your eyes roll on that one. Amen? I love it. It's great stuff. I'm, I'm thankful to be a member of Heritage Baptist Church. We've got a great God. He's so good. He's so good. We don't deserve this. We really don't. And by the way, if God didn't give this to us, I'd be happy with the other building. And down the pipeline, we need to remodel that. Down the pipeline, we need more parking. The pipeline at some point in time, God's going to raise up a, an administrator so we can start a Christian day school. I don't know what the I don't know what the political climate will be. It doesn't really matter. I think we, we just need that. I'm watching what's, what's going on with raising kids right now. We need a godly Christian school. I need a strong administrator. I need property for a preschool so we can tap that marketplace. We're just kids and people are paying all that money somewhere else. Man, I'm, they're going to pay that money. Man, I want to teach them the Bible. Amen. After school ministry. Now I'm sure how God's going to lead on that. We're just trusting one day. I know, I know definitely in my heart what God, what God wants us to do. Sending missionaries out. Well, it can't be a better time than right now to serve God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you lost it, get it back tonight. Get it back right there. God, forgive me for being unhappy and disgruntled, being miserable and mean. Living in the spirit of bitterness. Listen, bitterness overflows in the lives of other people. We need to call on Jehovah Rapha to turn those bitter waters sweet once again. Let's do that tonight. 
Let's do that tonight. It's the work of God. We have an investment in this work. Their greatest days are ahead. You find your place tonight. Then tonight, if you're not, you don't know the Lord is your Savior, the best day of your life can happen tonight by taking Jesus as your Savior. Ask Him your heart to wash away your sins and make you a child of God. Father, tonight, thank you. Your people have indulged me and listened tonight as we've tried to challenge ourselves to get ready for the work of God. And Lord, the passage here prepares us for what's next. Nehemiah gave structure to the structure. Well, Lord, I'm thankful we ended on the fact that all of that revolved in one thing. They got to chapter 8 and right in the middle of the book was about the Word of God. They gathered together as one man. Not with divided interests and What a great day that was when the Word of God was read from morning to midday. The people wept. Shouted out, Amen, as God's Word was read. Revive our hearts tonight. Use the service to draw us closer to you. Closer to one another tonight. And as they did in Nehemiah's time, next unto him, next unto him. God forbid tonight that we not get the spirit of the Tekoites or the nobles who put not their necks to the work. We get to the work and serve the Lord. God help us tonight at the invitation time. There's somebody in our heart that we're going to pray for. That between now and the end of the year, they're going to get saved and be part of an adult growth group in that new building. Father, we give you this invitation time. If someone here is not saved, I pray that they get saved. I pray you give us a spirit of revival, the joy of the Lord for our heart. We ask all these things of you, Lord, now in Jesus' name. Piano's going to play. You stand. If you need to find your way, find your way tonight. We're not going to sing. You just find your way this evening. Please find your way. The building is worth the distance. The building is worth our investment. The building is worth our time. It's worth our sacrifice. Things are in motion, beloved. There's a lot of things in motion. Don't miss it. Let's not be on the outside looking in. Let's be on the inside getting it done. Let's find our place tonight. Let's join serving Jesus. Let's join seeing the church get to a new level. Another height. Let's win our area for Christ. God gave us the Bay Area. Put us here for His glory. Young men... Young men, rise up tonight. Show thyself a man. Be thankful for who you are and where God's placed you. Be thankful you're accepting the beloved tonight. not safe tonight, you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, we invite you tonight to come to know the Lord as your Savior. Trust Him. Parents, later tonight, I hope, or this week, you'll take your children around the building and talk to them about the building. Talk about the great exercise of faith. Take a record of them. These are monumental days. Those of you who have close friends in church, you need to do that with your friends this week. Find a place somewhere take a video and say this is a monumental time what a great day they had when they assembled as one man and the Bible says there was very great gladness
Father, in a moment, we ask you to dismiss us with your blessing. We know we have one quick meeting tonight. Father, we ask this evening you join our hearts as one man as they did there at the water gate there in the city of Jerusalem. Thank you. You've given us your word. Thank you for the freedom we have in this country. I pray for this church to attain new heights. It's a place that would send out laborers into the harvest. It's a place for God you raise up men and women with great hearts for God. We need great sacrifice today. We need not to be just talking discipleship. We need to be disciples who carry our cross. We carry just like Jesus did. Father, many have driven long distances. In a few minutes, they'll be going home. Get them safe to their destination. Help us with the next planning phase, things we're going to do. All these things we commit to and pray for now. In your precious Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.